I am loving our focus on prayer right now because I know this, I need, I need to think about prayer because left on my own, I don't naturally pray. And so different reminders help me to pray. Books I read, teaching I listen to, um, regular prayer partners that I join with, and that includes our Thursday prayer team every Thursday at 9.30. Hold, hold on a second. Hold on. This is weird. Hello? Oh, hey, I'm in the middle of a sermon right now. This is Beth, guys. Sorry. She's down with the kids. Lincoln got sunburned? Are you kidding? Okay. Can you just tell me this later? All right? Cool. All right. Love you. Bye. Sorry, I don't usually do that when my family's out of town and stuff, you know, so I wanted to make sure... That, that, that everything was cool. Back to what I was preaching on. Okay, so I, think I was talking about prayer, and like prayer is really important, and I love teaching on prayer because uh, no, nothing is more significant. That's why we titled this The Joy of Prayer. We titled this The Joy of Prayer. Hold on a second. Real quick, I got a text real quick. Hold on. This is my mom reminding me to let the dogs out. Because Beth is out of town. Okay, sorry about that, guys. All right, so, so ba- ba- back to my sermon here. Psalm 86, thanks for reading that, Deanne, because, hold on a second, the Tennessean just sent a notification. Hold on one second. A cat is stuck in the tree in Murfreesboro for the second day in a row. Okay, all right. Sorry, that just popped up on my phone. I'm going to get back to the sermon now. Psalm 86. All right, now, the... the, the um, the cat in the tree was fictional, just in case you're wondering that. And so was the phone call, and, and so was the text. But this thing here, have you ever noticed how distracted we are by the smartphone? Very distracted. In fact, um, I, I've done a little, I've been talking about this in one of the classes I teach right now, how, how the smartphone affects our life. That even when we don't have it with us, it's like we're aware of its presence. It's just like always there. It's always grabbing our attention. Do you know that there are 1.8 billion people on Facebook right now? There, there are 2 billion people who are using the mobile web in some way. And so our life is distracted in very, very unique ways in this culture. And so I, I use that, and of course planned for someone to call me, that wasn't Beth, by the way, uh, uh, as an illustrative point that that happens to us at lunches, doesn't it? It happens to us in our business life when we're dealing with sometimes sales customers and, and the phone rings and we feel like we have to respond instantly. Uh, it deals with us in all types of settings. And I will have to say that that the smartphone has helped my prayer life in other ways, but that's for another day. It's illustrative of the fact that we're constantly, we're constantly distracted. We're constantly being drawn away. I, I want to talk to you today about one of the benefits of prayer. I want to continue to just lift that value. I know that in the next couple of weeks we have some more practical teachings on prayer that are coming your way, but I want to lift the value. I want you to have the desire to pray. I want you to see... Um, that there's joy in prayer. Here's the easy sermon. The easy sermon is this. You don't pray enough. Yeah, no kidding. 
Because the, the needs of the world are so big. The need of the world are so heavy that we could pray all day long and it still wouldn't be enough. And so we do what we can and we learn how to pray more. And what I want you to see through this series is the joy of prayer. I want your life to increase with joy because you're taking steps further in prayer. And so one of the ways prayer helps me, and it's what I want to share with you today, is one of the ways that prayer helps me, and here's our first point today, is it helps me to think. Prayer helps me to think. I say that is because I, like many of you, I'm a slave to this right now at many times until I intentionally put it away. Instant connectivity. And, and th this is just a fact of life. I have a big family. I have a, a, a nice-sized congregation here, so, and, and, and I want to be accessible to you, so I don't want you to feel, feel weird about this. But my, my cell phone number is out, and, and I give it. I even put it on our alpha advertisements now. And that's, that's cool because I, I, I want to be available. I want to be a pastor who's present, a pastor who's available. But what's really weird is like when someone texts me and I don't return a text within 20 minutes and they're like, Pastor Aaron's mad at me or he didn't like that. Because we have this, we have this expectation that if, if there's not instant connectivity, if there's not instant response that something's wrong, you know, something's being taken wrong, uh, something's different. And so all day long, ding, ding. Ding, ding, and our attention span is just right here. We're just going back to here, back to here. And we can talk about a lot of different things. I'm not picking on the phone. Like I said, there are some great tools that the smartphone has given. What I'm trying to illustrate is how easily we're distracted. You know, we're having a difficult time these days maintaining our thoughts. We're having a difficult time having a coherent thought. Sometimes we can't even complete sentences uh, because we're so aware of what's going on with, with our smartphones. Th these, are, these are things that, that affect us. That's why one of the benefits that I get from an active prayer life, an intentional prayer life, is it helps me to think. It helps me to, to still my mind and to get my mind away from a lot of different distractions. Again, read Psalm 86 today. Verse 6 and 7, it may not be on, on the screen, but it says this. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. This great privilege of prayer that we have, we call out to God and he speaks to us. How does God speak to us? There's a lot of different ways he speaks to us, obviously through regular Bible reading and scripture and hearing sermons. But I'm a big believer in this. God speaks to me through my mind. I don't hear the audible voice of God. And, and, and I, there's scriptural reasons to believe people haven't really heard the audible voice of God with a very, very rare exception. What happens is God begins to speak to me in my thoughts. And one way I define prayer, this is not in your notes, but I think it's a wonderful definition of prayer. Prayer is thinking in the presence of God. It's not always about words. It's not always about saying something, even though it has value. But it's often about just getting in God's presence. I'm becoming aware that God's presence is near and say, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about, God, how can I improve my finances? How, how, God, 
how, God, can I make better decisions for my finances? I'm just going to think about that, and God, I'm going to invite your leadership into my life. That, that's a big part of what prayer is. It's opening our mind to God to hear him speak to us. Obviously, it has to come through Scripture and all the various filters that let us know it's God's voice in our life, but we hear the voice of God. And that's why one of the most valuable places you'll hear the voice of God is when you go to bed at night. And I'm telling you, this is a really practical step that some of us don't realize the environment that we create before we go to bed uh, really affects our subconscious in the night. And if we, can, if we can tap into the presence of God before we fall asleep and be aware of God, it has great, great benefit. I don't do that every night. I wish I did, but most nights these days I do. And it's affecting my life in, a, in a, an incredible way. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We see this concept of God speaking to us in the night, speaking to us through our thoughts. And in the young boy named Samuel, Samuel was a boy who was living in God's house. And he heard the voice of God a couple of times and had never heard it before. And we're going to pick up the story because the priest, Eli, who was there, who was experienced in the Lord, who was experienced in the voice of God, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting with verse 8, then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. I think that's important to know that sometimes it takes experience to hear the voice of God. It does. How do you know the voice of God? Well, I've known it. I know it part, partly because of experience. I, the sheep knows the shepherd's voice from repetition. And sometimes we've got to help the younger generation know what the voice of God is. The voice of God, we've got to uh, affirm in them, I, I perceive God speaking to you. And I do that with not only my kids, but when I work with the youth here at this church. Hey, this is what I think God's saying. This is what I think God's speaking. This is what I think God's speaking to you. I know Chris and Kelly are doing that with our college age group. They're, they're, they're helping younger people hear the voice of God through Awana, uh, through our children's ministry. And, and Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Can I just give one little infomercial again? Again, part of your kids Learning to hear the voice of God is giving them an experience like Camp Blast. When they get away from you, it helps them. I know we need some of you to be chaperones, but when we get away from others of you, it helps them with their, 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 their friends to hear God's voice under the pastoral leadership of Pastor Chip and, and, and Aubrey will be there and others will be there. And it's, it's, it's an incredible opportunity. So verse 9, therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now, I know this seems simplistic, but I just really think this is going to help some of you guys. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm giving to you what God's shown me or, or has done for me. Some of you, uh, you've overcomplicated your prayer life. And you just need this afternoon is to go take a nap in the presence of God. Did I get an amen from that, right? And this idea, I mean, Eli said, 
go lay down. And if the Lord speaks, says, this is your servant, I'm listening. And I think that if, if we begin to get away from the smartphones and turn off the TV for a little bit and turn off maybe that addiction to noise, uh, as far as, you know, some of us, I know we have, we, we, we've, we've grown accustomed to sleeping with a TV on and things like that. And I, you know, obviously I'm not trying to dog you for that. There's all types of reasons for that, even though I will say that blue light's not letting you sleep very good. But that's a, another, another point. But, but I've got a fan going. I've got noisemakers and all that stuff. But I, I'm, I'm saying, I, I'm listening. I'm laying down in the presence of God. And I'm saying, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. And on those nights when I have orientated my mind towards the things of God, and there's various tools you can use. It doesn't matter what the tool is, scripture reading, um, um, worship music. I mean, you, you can figure it out, right? When I orientate my mind with the presence of God, it, it's, you watch what, what will begin to happen. You'll wake up in the middle of the night, and you'll be aware of God's presence. It, it's, a, it's, it's really neat. It's really, it's really special. God redeems the night. You know, the night... The enemy often attacks our subconscious through terror and through bad dreams. And, you know, what, what part of us is like, like we're like addicted to this stuff. We, we want to entertain ourselves. Here, I'm going to give you 15 bucks. Go watch a horror movie. Uh, because, and, and then we wonder why we have anxiety. We wonder why we can't control our mind, you know. I mean, we actually pay to get scared. We, we pay to get exposed to all kinds of fear. And, and when you begin to reorientate your mind to the things of God, you watch what the presence of God will do in your life. Here's some other scriptural support to this. Psalms 42, chapter 42, verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. That's good news, isn't it? How many know that God is commanding his love on you during the day? Now watch this. And at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. The song of the Lord is with you through the night. That's why it's really important that your kids have a, the right atmosphere in their room. I'm just encouraging you in this. Pray over their room. Don't, don't let your kids listen to any music without some type of parental control. I, I, I just don't think that children uh, listening to, to uh, messages that are destructive, what would that do to their spirit during the night? The song of the Lord is over them in the night. And, and now, now listen, just, I don't want all the teenagers to hate me after today. It'd be like, you know, don't blame me. You know, ease them into it a little bit. Like start off with questions. Hey, what are you listening to? Hey, what's going on? But, I, but we want to protect the spirit. We want to protect our spirit. And we, when we begin to see the vulnerabilities that we have, we begin to see that the word of God and the presence of God wants to protect us. All right, teenagers, I didn't plan to say that. The Holy Spirit had me say that. That's not in the notes. So it's not my, don't blame me. You can blame God for that, okay? Psalm 119.55, here we go again, the same theme. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your laws. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your laws. I'm, I'm telling you, God is wanting to use this message. One of the things he wants to use this message, he wants to redeem the night hours. When the sun goes down, it's not a time for evil. It's not a time for the enemy to have its way. The night belongs to the Lord. He's redeemed the day, and he's redeemed the night, and he's watching over the night hours. I know some of you struggle with insomnia, and, and that's a, such a difficult thing. I've even noticed from working with, with uh, senior citizen ladies or older women, that becomes a hard thing, and I, and I have compassion for that. I, I hate it when that happens to me. Man, I, it just messes me up when I can't get a good night's sleep. And so I don't know the answer to all the reasons why that happens, but I just know this, is that the night still belongs to God. And so, so don't let that frustration 
take you away from God's plan to redeem the night. The song of the Lord is with you. He's watching over the night. It is yours. So prayer is thinking in the presence of the Lord. Just take that nap. Just get alone with God. I've had two days of solitude. I miss my family dearly. But in the last 48 hours, I've only talked to two people until I came to church this morning. And I'm an extrovert by nature. So some of you are like, that sounds awesome. There was a time in my life that I would not have the ability to do that. I really wouldn't. I just could not function that way. I would have gone to Kroger and talked to the cashier for a while just because i got to talk to somebody. Yeah, I'm one of those guys, right? Uh, but um, um, the last two days, I just, I just had solitude. And I've been doing stuff. I've been doing stuff I enjoy and stuff. It's not like I've been, you know, standing, sitting here in the presence of God. Now, you know, I, I mean, I've been living life. And doing things, but, but the amazing thing is what God will do to us when we give him a, a gap, when we listen. And so why, why is prayer good? It helps me think. Schedule prayer time and you'll think more. And what we think about determines the course of our life. And a lot of times the reason we don't even have breakthroughs in business, breakthroughs in parenting, breakthroughs in friendship is because we don't think enough. We don't think enough to find the solution. But when we pray and we think in the presence of God, that solution becomes uh, very clear. One of the things I love to study is leadership. You know, I love to study leadership. And there, it's interesting. I mean, there's so much data out there and, and on leadership. And not, when there's not even data, there's just so many books. There's so much. It's, it's overwhelming. But you can really simplify it. Here's one of my favorite leadership quotes. Uh, and it's been attributed to several people, so I don't know who, who, who to attribute it to now. It says, if you think you're leading, but no one is following, you're only taking a walk. How many know that just, that just sums up all of the teaching on leadership right there? Um, yeah, you may call yourself a leader, but if no one's following you, you're no leader, okay? See, the thing about leadership, you can be a poor leader, or you can be a leader who's leading people into things that are negative, negative uh, but uh, a leader has to, ha- has to have followers, has to have influence, has to have someone behind them. But my favorite book on leadership is called The Leadership Challenge. It's a secular book, but it espouses biblical, biblical principles. And here's one of, my, my, one of the best concepts from there. It says this, leaders encourage the heart. Leaders encourage the heart. Coos and Posner's are from USC. They wrote this book called The Leadership Challenge, and that's one of their five main points, is that one of the things leaders do is they encourage the heart. This is one of the reasons why that prayer makes me a better leader. And all of you are leaders. I want you to know that. Every single one of you, some of you are like, I am not a leader. I'm going to check out on this point. Nonsense. Every one of you is a leader. Prayer helps me. Here's your second point, is to lead. Prayer helps me to lead. If you really believe, like I do, that part of leadership is encouraging the heart. Prayer helps me lead people better. And kind of expanding that quote, I'll read this and it'll be on your screen too. It says, at the heart of leadership is caring. Without caring, leadership has no purpose, right? Hey, I've known some people who are belligerent and people think they're good leaders. I mean, they, they know how to get something done, but at the end, you're like, oh, man, that gal's a jerk or that guy's a jerk. But leadership's about caring. Without caring, leadership has no person, purpose. Leadership requires a connection between leaders and their constituents over matters and in the simplest sense of the heart. you got to connect with people's hearts. And that's why uh, caring about people is a key part of our leadership. And so this is how 
Praying helps me to become a, be a better leader. When I'm praying, I, I develop all of these different prayer lists, and they are on my smartphone. I told you earlier that there are some benefits to the smartphone. When people say, hey, will you pray about this? I'll type it into my phone. I have all these lists of different kinds of lists, and I won't get too much into how that works. But when people ask me to pray about something, I put it on the list, and I try to pray. I try to do my best. Uh, back in May, I, I was in New York with Beth, and we were celebrating two or three different things, having a great trip, and um, learning how to travel with her for the last 19 years. You know, I just learned when she's into something, just I find my happy place, okay? I just find a bench, or sometimes I read a book, or sometimes I go do my own thing and say, I'll meet you back in 30 minutes. That's just how we travel. It works out good for us. Don't judge, all right? Don't judge. So... She, she, she's kind of doing one of her happy place things. And that particular week in, in New York, I mean, um, I'm not trying to brag here because there's a lot of days I don't pray. I'd be embarrassed for you to know how little I pray. Uh, and God's helping me with that. That particular week, man, I, was, I prayed all week long. I mean, it was like the best week of prayer of the year. Everywhere we went, man, I was just praying. I was just walking around, looking at buildings, looking at stuff, praying, 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 praying the whole week long. And it was a cool, cool week for me in that, in that regard. So... We're at one of these breaks, and I'm looking at my prayer list, and there's a key leader in our church. I mean, this guy does unbelievable things at this church for free. He doesn't get paid a dime, he, he, he just, but he volunteers. He's just amazing, and he had just lost someone he loved, and he was on my prayer list, and I was praying for him. And so I just said, hey, I'm going to call him real quick. So I got the phone, and I called him, and I had a four-minute conversation with him. I said, I didn't tell him where I was. I just knew he was out of state at a funeral. I just said, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. How are things going? We talked back and forth, hung up the phone, went on with my vacation. Can I tell you, that little four-minute phone call has gained me more leadership equity with him. I mean, he has thanked me four or five times. Like, thank you. You'll never know how much that call meant to me. I've heard him brag about that call to other people. And guys, it was really not that big of a deal. I mean, it took me four minutes. And I love this person. And, and, and I'm glad that it communicated to him that I cared. And I'm glad that it was timely and the Holy Spirit was in all that. But my point is, because I prayed for him, I could follow up with him. Because I prayed for him, I cared for him. And, and I want you to begin to see that, 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 that you need to pray for your coworkers. I didn't get a big hallelujah on that. You need to pray, students. You need to pray for your teachers. Put them on a prayer list. You need to pray for that irritant person that you just, you know, just, just pray for that person. Listen, as we begin to pray for people, it begins to change the dynamics of the relationship. And then you can follow up as you pray. I think God's totally fine with this. A lot of times, as I, I pray in text, I pray, and then I reach out to someone and I ask them about that. And listen, I know when I said that story, I'm in, I'm, I've, I may have overlooked major things in your life, and I apologize for that. It's, trust me, it's not because I don't care about you, right? We, we just, we can't, one person can't do all things. But, but I will say this is, I, I gave you that story not to make me look good. It's to give you a vision on, on how prayer can make you a better leader. Because if you really believe that, that leadership is, leadership is um, inspiring the heart or encouraging the heart. There's no better way to do that than to start praying for people, start caring for people, start, start being Jesus to people. And you watch and you see what happens. And now we, we talked about leaders, leadership, but how many know that sometimes you lead when you're not in the top position? 
You can lead up. You can care for those who are above you. You can lead from the middle. You can lead when you are further down the organizational chart and you lead through influence. And beginning to pray and care for those over you is a way that God will bring his kingdom to the people that you care for. Now, Jesus modeled prayer in his leadership. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. This is a very convicting scripture to me. And as I'm maturing as a pastor, I'm starting to realize this. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. I haven't done that yet, but uh, it's a goal, an all-night prayer. At least I haven't done it intentionally. Some nights I haven't been able to go to sleep because I've been disturbed and I prayed. But I haven't said, God, I'm going to stay up all night and pray. But since Jesus did it, I probably should consider that in the future. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. Do you see here that you can argue one of the, the major leadership decisions of Jesus was preceded by prayer. I'm amazed how little we pray about stuff in the church world, in the church life. But we can change that. We can change that and you can change that in your life. Pray about what decisions you need to make. Hey, if you don't know how to, if you don't have a prayer list right now, it's pretty easy. You can do, you can do a couple of things. You can write down all the decisions you need to make in the next few months and you got stuff to pray about. All right? You can write down all the things you're worried about in the next few months and then you'll have more to pray about than you have time to pray about. But it's all about turning it to the Lord. And Jesus was an example of this. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. There's a, a church leader we don't hear much about, we don't know much about, Epaphras, and this is what Paul said about him. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, greets you. Look at this. He is always contending for you in his prayers. Why? So that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. You know, we, we, we do need to pray for people's salvations, and, and we do that a lot here. We're praying for people in your life who need to come to know the Lord. But we need to keep contending in prayer for each other, that we may be mature, that we may fully be assured everything God's will. Let me ask you this. Who are you fighting for in prayer right now? Who are you fighting for in prayer? Listen, I, I'm saying these words to you, but God's speaking them to me also. I'm thinking about the people under my care, and, and, and I want to be more of a fighter in prayer. I want to be one like Epaphras who contends, who fights in prayer. Man, I, we're, we're going after each other. We're, we're, we're praying that, that the will of God would come forth, that the purposes of God would come forth. We're fighting in the Spirit for the things of God. Oswald Sanders was a great leader in the early 20th century, and he said this, great leaders of the Bible were great in prayer. That simplifies it, doesn't it? Great leaders in the Bible were great in prayer. There's a friend of mine who does not attend this church, and so I don't want anyone to try to guess who this is. You wouldn't know him, but he and his wife had waited a long time to get pregnant, and Everyone was so happy when she became pregnant. But like has happened to a lot of people in this room, uh, his wife had an ectopic pregnancy. And that's just this very, very tragic. It's very, very, very difficult on a family. And, and this was especially devastating um, because, because they had waited so long. And his longtime boss called. He told me the story. I'm telling the story secondhand. His longtime boss called and asked how they were doing, and it, it was nice to hear from him. But in that short conversation, it, 
ended with this statement, is everything on target for the project on Friday? A very ill-timed question. Sometimes a legitimate question is not given at the right time, and, and, it, and it can be hurtful. I mean, sure, he was getting paid by that man under his leadership, and he had the, the boss had the right to ask the question, but the question was ill-timed. And my friend told me this. I realized at that moment that he didn't love me. And I'd worked for him all these years, and I realized at that moment that he didn't love me. And over the course of a few weeks to a couple of months, he, he changed that job. And because that job was associated with a religious organization, it's damaged that man spiritually. And I just wanted to add that. I don't know why, but... The, the statement really stuck out to me. I realized then that he didn't really love me. People feel our love when it really matters. That's why the last point I'm going to say today is prayer helps me to love. Prayer helps me to love. You know, I, I, I suppose some people, uh, uh, demeanor causes them to be more loving outwardly or more naturally loving. One thing you don't know about me is that's not me. I, I would say most people, at least I hope, would, would say that I'm a loving person. But I wasn't that way uh, naturally and growing up. And God had to do a real work in my life. Uh, he, he first did it when I, as early as high school. And, and, and that's a story for another day. And then he's done it more. And, 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 and it's been his grace. L listen, when I don't pray, I don't love as I should. I, I'm, I'm just being serious. I give God glory for that. I give God glory for that. I tend to be negative. I tend to be cynical. I tend to be critical. Um, prayer has changed my life. Prayer has changed my life. And, and if you take serious the words of Jesus who said, pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. I mean, there's been people that I've been so angry with. And in my natural stance, I don't have problem telling people off. I don't do that very often now. Hopefully never. But I've told, I've gotten people's face. I've confronted people. It's really not hard for me to do that. Some people, some people wrongly label me as someone who's passive, who doesn't do that. No, I... I, I restrain myself by God's presence because my natural, my natural inclination is to be very confrontive and to be very intimidating. That's my natural inclination. But the Holy Spirit has changed me. And, and I didn't plan to share that today, but I hope you understand that. I like the reputation of, oh, Aaron's just such a nice guy, he's such a loving guy. Um, but, but I'm not without God. I'm not. And that's not just me trying to be uh, false, humble, you know. You know, yeah, without God, I would be nice. No, I literally would not be nice without God. And that's why I have to get alone and pray sometimes. There's been times here at, the, at this office, I just got up and just left. People ask me, what are you doing? I make up something. Um, I got a dental appointment. Gosh, I have 40 dental appointments a year, okay? Because <laughs> I, 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 I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. But you know what's happened is now, the, the, it's very rare now, uh, the, the Spirit of God has transformed me. It's tra and to Him be the glory. To Him be the glory. Galatians 4.19, Paul said this, My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. Do you feel the love in that? I, I, I cannot think of a greater picture of love than for moms who go through labor 
to give life to a child. And, and I won't speak much to that because, because my words would, would, would lack moral authority. But I respect, I respect that process God has given because it's very sacrificial. Samuel was that little boy. That little boy who heard the voice of God and, and he didn't know it yet. And Eli said, I perceive, go lay down, go think in the presence of God and you'll hear the voice of God. And at the end of Samuel's life, when he's saying farewell to the nation that he served as he's been the spiritual leader, we could, if it helps us, we could call him the Billy Graham of his generation. And it's more appropriate to say Billy Graham was the Samuel of our generation. And Samuel's at the end of his life. And in chapter 12, verse 23, he he says these words, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. That's a strong, strong scripture. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you two questions, but they're the, one, they're the same question. Here are the two questions that are one question. Who do you love? And two, who are you praying for? Two different questions, but they're one question. Hey, I don't get to pray for everyone I want to every day because I don't have time at this point in my life. Maybe someday I will. But, but there's some people I pray for every day. And I pray for CIL every day. So I pray for you every day in a general sense. Because I love you. I love this church, and I love what God's doing here. In, in recent days, God's been calling me to pray for my nation every day because I, I begin to admire the, the love people older than me have for America, and I realize that I don't love America in the way that my, my, my older brothers and sisters do. And then the Lord showed me I don't pray enough for America because we love what we pray for. Who do you love? Who do you pray for? They're one and the same. And so parents, from this point forward, just pray for your children as often as you can. Brothers and sisters, pray for your siblings. Pray for your siblings. Pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. Pray for those who are in the deepest point of community with you. Pray, pray, pray. Prayer is an expression of love. Probably my favorite author. I can't believe I've given so many quotes today. It's just, you know, it just landed that way today. But Richard Foster has, has blessed my life more than any author I can think of. And I just ran across this quote. It was highlighted. And the Lord sent me to it. A book I haven't read in years. It says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. Aren't those beautiful words? How many know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now? And guess what he's doing? He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, according to Hebrews chapter 12, cheering us on. You are always being prayed for. Jesus himself is praying for you at all times, at all places, because he loves you. And he's praying for you to say no to sin and yes to his will and yes to his purpose. He's praying for revelation in his word. He's praying for a deeper understanding of God's will. He's praying for you to have the community that he's called you to have. Not a dysfunctional community, not a community that's destructive, but a community that gives you life. That's 
that's an expression of love. I never gave you the title of this, of this message today. The title of this message today is Prayer, an Act of Love. That's what prayer is. Remember, the easy sermon is, you guys don't pray enough. I, I remember it, 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 I was at a church in Kansas, uh, my first church I worked at in Paola, Kansas, and this guy, I, he, he asked the pastor for the microphone, that, and, and pastor, our pastor was awesome. Pastor Randy was awesome. And he got up and he just said, hey, we have a prayer meeting on Thursday night, and only five of us was here. And the pastor and the youth pastor and the children's pastor weren't here either. And I just want to say that's a bad thing. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it was a terrible situation. It was a terrible way. And you know what? I mean, hey, we all were guilty. We felt guilty uh, because in his mind he had said, this is our prayer time, and those people who aren't here aren't praying, they're not doing it, and all that kind of guilt and all that kind of disruptive spirit of disunity, all that came through that announcement. And I want to tell you something. Prayer is an act of love. And so if you begin to say that, I'm going to love my nation. I'm going to love my church. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to love the school. I'm praying for our, our four high schools in this county, then the five, including Merrill Hyde. I, I, am, I am burdened. I am burdened. I, I, I feel, I've, I've said this in several sermons. We are really deceived. We, we don't understand the depravity that's in our high schools. It, 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 we need a revival. We need a move of God. We're living off the reputation of 1995 and 1996 and 1997. But, but the morality of our teenagers, guys, it is, it is, it is, um, it is alarming. Would you pray for the high schools? Would you pray for the junior highs? When you pass other churches besides our church, would you pray because Jesus loves his church? He loves the churches you're going to pass. He loves our church, but he loves the dozens of churches you're going to pass on your way home. Prayer is an act of love, right? Prayer is an act of love. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. You've given us good time together this morning, Lord. You've given us good time, and, and thank you for being at church today. Can I just tell you that I'm so encouraged by those of you who are here today. I want to tell you a couple of things as I asked the Lord today. It was real quick. It wasn't like a big prayer. I said, Lord, would you send some people to sit in the front of the church? Because sometimes it looks like a bomb crater has gone on there. It's like a moon, a moon right here. I said, Lord, just send some people to the front of the church. I know some people are never going to come up here. And I love those of you who are never going to come. Some people get here early to save the back seat. That's what Christians do. I understand that. So I, I don't, no, don't feel guilty. That's how it is. But I was like, Lord, just send some people to the front. He did. And, and, and this, was that sun, this was that Sunday where the 9 a.m. service was supposed to be sparse, but by being here today, I'm encouraged, and I hope you're encouraged. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray an act of love. I, I pray from this day forward that you always see prayer as an act of love. Prayer, who do you love, and who are you praying for? They're one question. Who do you love? Who are you praying for? They're one question. Father, I pray over my friends today for a culture of prayer to come. God, a culture of prayer. Stir it up in us, God. Lord, let us find gaps to pray. Let us find times to pray. Let us find opportunities to pray. God, give us a heart of prayer. And Lord, let us begin to associate prayer no longer with guilt, no longer, God, with uh, the oppression of religious leaders or the manipulation of those who are in charge. But God, let us see prayer as an act of love. Jesus, you were the example of prayer and you're praying for us right now at the right hand of the Father. Blessed be your name. God.